Welcome to the Cultured Guitarist. My name is, oh heck yeah, Al. With me, as ever, is Crazy Cupcakes Casper. It's a Brooklyn Nine-Nine reference. That's amazing. I He's don't watch that disappointed show. disappointed in me, and I love it. And opting in on the nickname goodness <laughs> is our guest, Shawarma Sean Ooh. from String Ooh, Theory Pedalboards. <laughs> hey, I want to opt out. It's too late. <laughs> it's on the record, man. There was another SH word that I came up with, but it seemed uh, in probes. Now I got to change my Instagram handle now. <laughs> I'm going to advise against that. Love shawarma. You know what? I've never had shawarma. Oh, we've man. talked about this before, and I am. I know shawarma. I'm. I'm missing out on it. So somebody, please explain to me what is shawarma. It's it's shawarma. Meat and rice and spices and goodness, man. It's oh, that sounds delicious. Yeah. Oh, it's great. Anyway, hmm. you're on the shawarma podcast. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, man, welcome to the show, Sean. It's it's awesome to have you on. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, a genuine pleasure. So, to kick it off, I'm going to put the spotlight on my man, Crazy Cupcakes Casper. <laughs> I don't even know what that is. I it, feel offended, though. It's, it's oh, man. Brooklyn Nine-Nine fans are going nuts right now. That's what I know. I'm on a stretch of The Office right now. You know, I mean, like 10 years, I've I've never watched The Office. I've been... And the last bit, you know, you've kind of watched everything you can watch when everything gets quiet in the house. <laughs> and so, so I was like, oh, I've got to check out what this office is about. And so my, like, sleep has gone down to about three hours a night. Yeah, that makes it's, sense. It's three in the morning, and I'm like, you know, it's just another 20 minutes. The episodes are only 20 minutes long. I can do this. <laughs> oh, I love that show. Yeah. Well, okay, so Casper. Yes. What have you been up to this week, man? Tell me your guitar adventures. I am building a pretty slick little rig. I got a guitar on the go. You do? Yeah. You do. I picked up a very cool, I think we're going to go vintage. Yeah, man. It's pre-1990. It's vintage. It's vintage. Yeah. So I got a vintage Matsumuko built Aria Pro 2 uh, Thor Sound Series TS300. Cool, cool guitar. Um, picked it up for relatively inexpensive. It did have some electronic problems, uh, as guitars of the vintage era that were not played a lot, uh, tend to have. So, uh, I've got some cool, some cool goodies going in, some DiMarzio cream pickups and, uh, I got some new pots coming and yeah, I'm going to build it from the ground up. All new electronics. It's got great bones. It's a great guitar. I'm really excited. No, I like it. It's pretty cool. Kind of a, kind of like an SG and a Strat had a baby. Yep. Yeah. It is the love child of a, of a Strat and an SG. Uh, yeah. It's got some really cool appointments like maple through the middle and uh, mahogany wings. And it's yeah. a, it's a cool looking, cool looking thing. I like it. I like it too. Yeah, man. It's right beside me. It's looking cool. It's all gutted though, which is sad, but parts yeah. are coming. Yeah. Sometimes it's cool just to see a gutted hot rod waiting for coolness to come. Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. That's what I see. It was cool when we took it apart, and uh, because there are different models of these guitars, and 
one of the higher model ones actually has a set neck, whereas this is a bolt-on. But the neck is actually a set neck <laughs> yeah, love neck that. that's just bolted into this guitar. Yeah, so they did it's not change a thing. A lot of things. So there's like a big tang <laughs> sticking into the pickup hole or the route for the pickup that should be, you know, for a set neck. But this sucker's bolted right on there. <laughs> yeah. What, what sure, it's not just the, the cleanest break ever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's hilarious, this guitar, because they... They went through the effort of like making the neck three ply laminate, mm-hmm. and to match the three ply laminate runners going through the center of the body to make the entire thing look like a neck through. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, Which, there were models of these; they were neck through. Yeah, but it's but this one's uh, not. It's just funny to me that they then they carved the neck heel just immaculately. Yeah, immaculately, <laughs> I, I like this. This it's thing, like, it's fun. Yeah. Uh, I love Japan. <laughs> just, so as far as i can tell it's probably somewhere around between like 79 and 82 or something like that uh, well, i don't know it seemed like they made these like this all the way up to like 85 to 86 maybe it, you're never gonna know nope. <laughs> it's in that range somewhere that's awesome man well what about you sir about me i got a package recently. <clears throat> Oh, yeah. Yeah. Ah, I should have said something about this. Oh. I should have taken your thunder and you. just snuffed it right out. Oh, that's, <laughs> that is a genuinely <laughs> cruel thing for a man who's wearing my shirt in support of my I industry. I am. Dude, I'm so supportive of you. <laughs> <laughs> I went down to the post office and mm-hmm. I picked up a package from our good friend James at Lauren Audio, who sent us a Spitfire overdrive and distortion to... Uh, get familiar with and i gotta say not a lot of pedals i mean there's a lot of gorgeous looking pedals out there mm-hmm. but not a lot of pedals genuinely make me gasp a little bit with just how gorgeous they look opening the box up mm-hmm. and it's not like he did a fancy job of wrapping this thing it was in a box with a crap load of packing peanuts and that's it there was nothing yeah. <laughs> so it was just it's it's stunning looking in person and i'm i'm really excited to I think I only spent like maybe a half hour total playing it so far, but uh, I'm excited to play it more and mm. you know do a review of our a, thoughts on a, a future episode. A so. proper review of this yeah. thing. Yeah. It's pretty yeah. cool. So thank you, James. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's going to be a fun one to do. Uh, what about you, Sean? What have you been up to uh, guitar-wise in the last week or so? Well, I just picked up the Strymon Iridium. Now, I've always, I've always mm-hmm. been like a, an amp, like... You know, edge of breakup, loud, right on the edge of reverb, kind of, or uh, right on the edge of feedback. And given the times we're in right now, you know, you get home and you've got to practice, but you don't want to have the kids banging on the floor from upstairs saying, turn it down, Dad. It's 1130 at night. We're 8 and 10 years old. We're trying to go to sleep here. So <laughs> so I figured I'm going to check out this, this these Strymon Iridiums. Now I've been kind of following along Kemper and, and, and like, they sound amazing and, and, and everything, but I thought, you know, a good, a good way to get into it just to the whole IR thing would be trying one of these Strymon Iridium. So I ordered it up and right out of the box, it was like unreal. So, yeah. They are, they're mind blowingly cool. And yeah, it's a real game changer, you know, too, like in, in the older, you can tell you're getting older when you're, when you, before you even try and amp out, you pick it up see how heavy it is right and so <laughs> and, and my pedal board is like you know it's like a fair, fairly sizable pedal board so you know you got that then you got a couple guitars and you got like i run a wet dry rig so i got like you know a head in the cabinet 
another head in the cabinet and got everything else. So it, I'm looking forward to once all of once things kind of get back to to semi normal to giving this thing a go, seeing seeing what it's like in the, in a live situation. Mm-hmm. That man, that technology for for ampless rigs has come so far just in the last five to six years. It is amazing how many companies are getting into that game and introducing products that that take it to that level or amp or pedalboard bound amps and things like that. It's it's crazy. And Strymon, of course. I mean, holy shnikes, those guys ever just hit a home run out of the out of the gate every single time. Every time. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. it's nuts. They never you know, the cool the cool thing with this iridium too is you can set it up on your pedal board, you can have it set so you can run your rig how you normally run it, running it out into into one amp or two amps or whatever. But you can set it up either stereo or, or wet dry with the strand without you know, I can go in and out of the same jacks on my board. So really nothing there's no reconfigurations all at the, when you're going into 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 a show one of my philosophies when i'm building boards is kind of a three three minute case to first court kind of a thing so you can get in mm-hmm. and put the board down plug it in plug it into the amps and be good to go especially when you're in a situation like me where i've been a, a, a supporting musician for for a lot of opening acts you got a fairly limited time or even on the festival circuit when you're playing with, you know, on a, on a busy bill, you got to get on, you got to get off and you don't have time to kind of lay out your pedals, how you like them and, and oh, yeah. you know, just on the stage floor and what have you. So just, you know, it's, it's nice for having that option too with the Iridium, just to plug, plug it right in, yeah. get off and, and through the house. I'm, I'm really interested to see how they sound out through the house. Yeah. Fast setup time is, uh, you, once you've had a great, just plop it down, plug it in, and you're good to go. Set up. It's really hard to ever not have that. Well, and you can focus. You know, you're not you're not spending all of that time like, okay, I gotta make sure the mic is here. I gotta make sure this is there. And oh, like, where's the power? Where's this? You can just sit down and do what you're there to do. You're you're not there to kind of spend all of your time focusing and worrying about if you're if the cables are working or if this is going on or what's what's happening. Yeah, and, and and honestly, like you were saying at festivals, like I have seen bands um, not get paid because they took too long setting up or tearing down or both, and uh, they violated their own performance contract, and then uh, you know the festival withholds the money, <laughs> which is yeah, yeah, like and you don't and you don't want to be that guy too. That's like no, it's you know, it's kind of the un- artists the, and the unwritten rule is like you know, as I don't walk onto that stage until the guitar player on my side of the stage has everything off. I don't want to be that guy that's like on there, um, you know, throwing boards down and hooking cables up while he's still trying to rip stuff, rip stuff off. Right. And, and get things off the stage off to the side. So. Yeah, no, it's a good, it's a good rule. So, um, let's go, let's, let's take it back and let's get into how did you get started with, uh, with pedal boards and how did you get into to this? Like, Give us the origin well, back, story. The origin story. It was it was a cold winter. <laughs> you know, I back back in university, like I, it was really loud, and it was basically I was running my guitar, and I was uh, I was never one of these like like oh I'm a guitar straight into the amp and that's it kind of guys, but that's kind of all I really ever needed for the gigs that I was doing was like a. a guitar straight into my 50 watt Marshall JMP head into two 412 cabinets 
turned backwards and cranked. And <laughs> that's all, you know, that's it, just it, it. Not, you know, that's, that's it. Like, you know, you get, you don't have to strum. You just hold the cord and the room just takes care of the rest of it. And, <laughs> and, uh, so as, as I'm going through university, you know, and it's like, okay, the, you know, tuition's hitting. So I'm going to sell this guitar. I sell that guitar. I end up kind of getting rid of the whole rig and not playing too, too much anymore as, as school was getting heavier and heavier. And then, got asked to play with a Saskatchewan artist, uh, Jessica Robinson, who was, was doing quite well back, back in the, in the day. And so I was talking to her old guitar player. I said, okay, well, this is a, a country gig. This is new, new to me. So what do I need? He goes, well, you need a compressor pedal and you need an overdrive. So I said, okay. So I, I went and grabbed a boss compressor, boss, super overdrive. I still have the super overdrive today. It's one of my, my favorite pedals. Um, but you throw those on the floor and then of course you're like wow this is cool like you know i, I want to get that tone that's on the album make sure you can kind of nail it and get it exactly like the artist's vision is and so you need a trim and you need a delay here and there and you start kind of slowly adding these pedals and you're falling into that spot where you're that guy you know you're you're laying all your battery powered pedals loose on the floor and patching them up and setting up and <laughs> so so I went and grabbed one of those those Gator. Um, I can't even remember the size really of it, like a like a twelve by eighteen Gator. Um, I still uh, have one of those. Yeah, yeah, they're awesome. They're awesome. Yeah. <laughs> no, they and they actually are. You know, for for you, you get the boards on. They got power. It's fairly quiet power. Um, you're not running a whole pile of uh, pedals on them, so it's you know noise and isolation and stuff like that. You don't really fall into uh, into too many problems. That board. Um... That board did me solid for a decade. It toured the world with me, and it somehow kept going. I, yeah. You know, I, I thought it was uh, a cheap pedal board when I bought it, and then it just kept going. Still, oh, they're, they're, yeah. they're, they're fantastic. And, you know, you kind of start adding, and then you're like, okay, well, maybe you, you fall into that trap of looking on, on gear forums where they're like, you know, what's – what's the best overdrive, you know, or like I, I those, don't know what those, you're talking about, man. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I just, I discovered fuzz about five years ago and it, like I'm it started down the rabbit hole all, all over again. But, but you know, you, you start, so you start thinking you need other pedals, you need things, you need, I need a Zen drive. I need, you know, whatever. So your, your pedal board just kind of grows over time. And so I outgrew this, this gator, uh, it was like 18 by 12 or, or whatever. And of course I'm not using like the smaller patch cables. It's like the colored cables and all of that kind of stuff. So yeah. you, you could pack, <laughs> pack more on. Um, but just things you start noticing, you know, different pedals are quieter. Some are noisier. You, you get issues with power between analog and digital pedals and what have you. So you had a power pack. And I got to a point where I said, look, I'm going to, I need another board. I don't want to, I was looking around there. This was probably about seven years ago or so. And there, there wasn't much, um, out there that I could kind of put my hands on. And I thought, well, I'm going to give a crack at building one. I've always been ever since industrial arts in high school building like in grade 12, everybody's building those slanted wood clocks that you pour the resin on and stamp the Roman numerals on it. And there you go. You got your grade. And I'm like, I'm not doing that. I'm going to, I want to build a guitar. Right. So I bought an, an all parts neck and, and found some nice maple, and built a built a guitar for for my great grade twelve project, and I've always kind of picked away at little wood things. And and one thing my my stepdad and I used to do back 
during my university days over the summer, I'd work for him and, and, uh, he was a woodworker. So he'd get me out in the garage doing, doing the odd thing here and there. And, and, uh, said, just, let's just build, build fire up the pedal board. So, so I built kind of a, a little scratch throw together kind of a thing that was a little bit bigger, but one, one step above like a piece of plywood. I don't think I even spray painted the thing. Um, and and it it served well for for a while, but uh, finally got around. He he had ended up passing away, um, and one thing with him, he was always. I worked for him over the summers in school. He would uh, anytime I had an opportunity to play, he'd like take the time off. You know, go go out there. If you don't play, you lose it. Uh, and it was great. Even if there was a job to do, he was he was a self employed lancer there. So we'd go out and and he just beat burn the day you know, do, do something and I'd go out and play. So when I got around to building my next, my, my I guess my first real pedal board that I built, um, built up the frame and just used a table saw and a router. It was kind of all the tools I had around at the time and covered it with his uh, Air Force duffel bag instead of using a Tolex or something like that oh, so that cool. I could use. So it was kind of like, a, a, you know, because he was so cool with letting me, go play anytime I had an opportunity to play over the, uh, over the summers in the festival circuit when it gets busy. Um, so built this, you know, took the, pulled out a sewing machine, taught myself to sew, you know, dyed the part of it so that it would be white. So I could put the racing stripes on it and, and what have you and, and covered this thing up and I'd used it for, for years and years. And uh, we were sitting. I was playing at a, a festival here in Saskatchewan, and with a with an opening band. And you know, as the opening opening band, you're kind of you know, some bands are great. Some some of the headliners, you know, they kind of it's they just want to get in, they play, they don't want to sit and talk, you know. So they um, you're used to kind of just grabbing your board, getting it off. Um, but we were opening up for uh, this band, One More Girl. And there was a guitar player there that was kind of standing off on the side. And he was looking at my, my amps, looking at the pedal board and, and stuff. And, and so I walked over and introduced myself. This is Ariel Posen. Um, if you guys haven't, uh, if you're not familiar with his playing, go now. Pause, pause the podcast, run over. <laughs> go over to uh, Ariel Posen on, on Instagram and, and follow him. Uh, fantastic guitar player. But... Uh, so we were sitting and, and I was, you know, getting everything off as quick as I could. And, and we're talking about pedal boards and gear and stuff. And they're fantastic guys, like the whole, the whole band. Um, that was with one more girl. It's fantastic. Uh, and to the point where they're like, okay, you guys got to get out there. Okay. Okay. So they, they run out to their gig and then we ended up chatting later on afterwards. And, and it was really cool to meet, meet with like, you know, these guys are kind of, weren't the, the stars in their head or, you know, they weren't above the opening act or whatever. I just thought he was a really good guy. And about nine months or so later, I, I got a, a message on, on Instagram from Ariel and said, Hey dude, you know, as a guy, we were talking about pedal boards and, and gear and stuff at that, that one festival, would you be interested in making me a pedal board? And I was like, no, <laughs> I, don't, <laughs> I don't build boards. Like, you know, I built, I built my pedal board, but I don't know how to build your pedal board. What, what, like, what do you mean? Yeah. So, so we, uh, so I said, well, I'll look around and I'll find somebody that I would trust to build myself a board, you know, and like, you don't want a board like the one I built. I'll, you know, 
you know, or find somebody. And I thought, you know, and not, and not to, to shirk them off by any stretch or anything. I just thought, like, you know, why, why don't you get a real board, not one that, you know, I'm building for you. And then I, so I gave him a call a couple of days later. I said, look, okay, like, here's, here's, I'll build you a board, you know, tell me exactly what you want. We'll make, like, your dream board. But you got to recognize my priorities are my family, a couple little kids, uh, my work, my own playing, and then your and then your pedal board. And he was like, "Yeah, totally, totally cool." That uh, you know, it sounds like a, a drag, but I'm not one to kind of sit. Despite my recent office binge, uh, just to sit and do to do nothing. Like I can't, you know, I, I don't I sleep maybe six hours a night. You know, I got I got to be doing something. So I uh, said, "Okay, I'll get get this board." So. We ordered up the Chillowitch from that's kind of covered in the Morgan amps that, that I use. This really cool, really tough, mm-hmm. tough material. Um, so I ordered up some some reams of that from from down in the states and and built him up this this pedal board and fired it out to him. And he was using it for quite a bit. I think he's using the Schmidt Array pedal boards now, which are fantastic. You can you can they're, you can pack them up quite small, uh, get them get them up in the in the overhead storage and the airplanes and stuff too. Whereas, whereas the one I built for him was more of kind of the traditional pedal board where everything's kind of out and flat and, and not quite as easy to, to fly with. So a friend of his phones a little while later and says, Hey, like I said, Ariel's board, would you be interested in making me a board? And I said, well, yeah, I'll give it a, give it another go. And, uh, it was a Dan from 15 second gear demos. So you're over in, out, over in England. So I said, "Yeah, I'll fire up a fire up a board." And again, gave him my speech, you know, family work, my own playing, and then and then your board. And and what I tend to do is try and build in in batches of, of two or three. Initially, it was because I was scared I was going to mess up the one board. So at least you know, if I mess up the first one real bad, I'll get it right on the second one. Um, but they've they've been coming out quite quite well, I think, and. And uh, that's an understatement. Yeah, I was gonna say, I've never heard one. <laughs> they went out okay. Yeah, man, they're doing yeah, these they're are just a strong, mediocre, phenomenal. <laughs> well, you know what it's like, too. Any, anything you do, like, even if, if it's like you're doing a recording, you're doing um, anything that you're spending a significant amount of time on and that you're kind of emotionally invested in, uh, you know, every little kind of thing where it's like, oh, I should have done this. And oh, if only it would have sounded with this burst instead of the other. And, and you know, every kind of little struggle that you've had with, with whatever it is that you're recording or you're building or what have you. And, and I think all of us, like guitar players in general, I think are, are fairly in, insecure in certain ways in that it's, you know, that's why we get like the guitar wars. Like you don't have, have like, bass wars because bass players are all like hey cool bass like you know they kind of you know and, and drummers they're you know nobody talks to them so let's leave but um but the guitar guitar players you know there's like i'm the lead guitar player you're the rhythm there's always like kind of this ranking with it. and it's not so so much anymore I, I find the the more the more stellar musicians are the nicer they are too it's kind of kind of like rec hockey you know where it's it's the higher up you play in rec hockey the more kind of casual everybody is about it. And you get into like the C and the D divisions and, you know, like I could have been in the NHL and like check it from behind and whatever too. So, um, but it's because you're, you, you know, these boards so well and whatever you're building, you kind of, you know, you, you want to, you work extra hard and you, when you're looking at them, you're thinking like, Oh, I hope, 
you know, people don't know that it took me as long as it did to make that dovetail or oil, you know, or, or what have you. Yeah. You're your own but, critic. Oh yeah. Yeah. But, uh, no, it's, it's, it's quite fun. It's, it's turned into a, a real kind of, you know, escape to kind of get out. And, and there was a, a really good quote that, uh, she was a, a woodworker out in, in Canadian woodworker. I was trying to, there was Amy Ontario Fraser. Um, she was saying, you know, woodworking matters. It's more than a pastime or a hobby. Being a woodworker means, you know, the satisfaction and pride that comes from using your hands and your mind to build beautiful, functional objects. And that you're as interested in the process as the outcome. And that's very much, much true, I think, with, with building these. It's a chance to kind of sit down and just do something that at the end of the day, you can look at and, and say, you know, I, I built that, you know, and, and, that used to be a tree, you know, or two or three or four different kinds of trees, and you throw it all into into one, and it it lets you kind of slow down and uh, pay attention and take the time to do things right, and and uh, and then hopefully in the end of all of it, have something that somebody thinks is really cool. Mm. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> so, how many boards do you think you build a year? Um, it's. <laughs> Kind of hard to, hard to say. I usually have about four or five on the go at any any given time, and I, I'll pick away at them and get them to a point where I can finish do the finishing stages on on five of them. Because you know, it, it, woodworking is ironic because first you create as absolute much dust as you can in creating it, and then when it comes time to finishing it, you want it as little dust as possible because you don't want you know this this nice wood that you spent all this time sanding and all of a sudden you apply the finish on it and ruin the whole thing because it's full of dust and, and what have you. So I try and work on them until we get into a, into a finishing stage with about three or four of them. And, and then I'll just take them, take them into the house and kind of, then you have a slow process of, of hand wiping. I don't have a scraper or anything like that. So I do a hand rub finish on all of them and, and work, work through them. But yeah, I'd say, I guess a long story <laughs> to get around to saying probably about, you know, a board a month or, or so. Wow. That's awesome, man. Mm-hmm. Um, which is a pretty good amount of output for uh, a guy who's doing this somewhere between hobby and part-time job. <laughs> I was going to say like part, yeah, part, part-time. <laughs> They're just amazing though. Like, Cause you're, you're a crown prosecutor. Yeah, yeah. So that's so that's uh, you know, it takes up you know uh, the the week and and a lot of the evenings as as we're going along. So this it's a it's a nice opportunity to kind of get get out and 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 have a sense of of not that my job doesn't leave me my day job doesn't leave me with any sense of satisfaction, but at the end of the day, you don't have something that you can look at like if you're a a, a welder or if you you're a mechanic or you're a, a you know, those kinds of trades you can look at and say, I did that. I renovated that bathroom. It looked like this before. Now it looks like this. Whereas, you know, our, in, in my day job, you don't have that real opportunity for to kind of sit back and, and have something tangible. Uh, so this is nice to, and, and it's, it's creative. You know, you look at, you go through the wood and you find out not to get too, too artsy and, and, thoughtful about it but you you go through the wood and and find out kind of what pieces you know want to be want to be what and what what you're going to specifically use for that specific board or what have you uh, i like it man 
Mm-hmm. I, I kind of think that's one of the best things about instruments, not just guitars, but just musical instruments in general and the, and the accoutrements around them is there's always been a mix of form and function there. And guitars, see, almost more than most instruments, I think lends itself to artistic interpretation of the instrument itself as well as the the thing surrounding the instrument itself i mean we all love it when an amp looks like a tv from the 1940s or you know who doesn't mm-hmm. love a classic explorer which i mean there's no reason for it to be shaped like that but it's shaped like that casper raised his hands i'll punch him later <laughs> <laughs> and we and we all and we all hate it when when paul Reed smith comes out with a silver sky that is a strap. It doesn't look like a strap because uh, the head. Uh, I just uh, I can't play. I can't play that head spot. Like, I think they're great. They're, I've played you know, one. I'm, they, I'm in they're a fantastic. It's probably a fantastic guitar. I haven't played one. Yeah. Um, but man, I think it's ugly. <laughs> I just, I just several times now, I've just seen one and been like, "Why is that strat so?" Oh, it's the Silver Sky. <laughs> and I feel kind of bad because uh, they're not a cheap guitar, and I, I'm just paranoid that sooner or later I'm going to insult somebody who actually owns one. So I should see it. And yeah, it was quite it. quite remarkable how the the internet just blew up. You know when this when this came out there, and I would guarantee probably ninety percent of the people that were like you know on either side of the fence were were posting and and you know forums. I try and stay away from gear forums as as much as I, I can. It's, 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 <laughs> yeah, it's like that. It, it's I like that. It's funny. Like John Mayer pretty publicly slammed um, Gibson for their you know their apex carve on the back of some of their custom shop headstocks. Um, which is basically just a volute, something they should have been doing for years now. <laughs> yeah. And uh, they turned it into a custom shop appointment that you can upcharge for. And, <laughs> and uh, John Mayer um, made a public comment on one of their posts that said, hey, Gibson, you know what I've always wanted on the back of my headstocks? A taint. Um, and it went... <laughs> very very viral and was all over the place and stuff and then within six months the silver sky came out and it was like what what <laughs> john <laughs> come on man oh boy yeah. <laughs> so just just like i i don't know how to what <laughs> yeah but you know going back to that the whole form and function thing too like when i'm when i'm building these things like they i i keep in mind that these are these are tools like i know they're they can be you know some some and each to his own some people might look at these boards that i'm building and and say that is ridiculous you know but i kind of look at it like you know we spend hundreds if not thousands of dollars on our pedal boards like you know we don't even blink when we want to you know get a 250 dollar fuzz pedal or or you know a one of the Strymon trilogies or, or, you know, those kinds of things. But, mm-hmm. you know, but then you stick it on a piece of plywood. Like for, for me, I, I like the organization. I like the, like the clean cabling mm. part of, part of it is not just for, for like, you know, Oh, look, look how clean I can make my cabling. There's a function to that as well. You, you, you don't have to worry about cables wiggling. You don't need to worry mm-hmm. about things shorting out and those, those kinds of, of approaches to it. Um, and there's a certain kind of, you know, I look at it almost like a, like in the classic car scene or the hot rod scene where it's like, you know, I'm proud of my pedal board. Like this, this is my 
my expression of what I what I want to sound like. I want to use this particular drive. I want to use this particular fuzz, um, this particular trim. They're very different for the players that use them. Yeah. So, you know, and I, I'm not like proud of my pedal board. I didn't make any of these pedals, but, um, it's because I'm scared of a soldering iron mostly, but you know, it's not, (laughs) not that even if I wasn't, I could do it. Like these things, like some of the stuff that guys are coming up with is fantastic. I love that, man. You're uh, afraid of a soldering iron, but a table saw will actually remove limbs. Yeah, but you don't you don't feel it at first. You know, it's just it's like <laughs> so quick. As a guy uh, who's burned himself pretty severely with a soldering iron, uh, you don't feel it at first either. Nope, <laughs> it happens all of a sudden. Comes oh, in with a vengeance I, in yeah. a few seconds. But yeah, I got to, I have like I ordered some new pots for my Strat. It's this old '72 that's kind of been my main main guitar, and the pots are just done on it. One of them locked up, and and uh, they've been sitting for about two months because I'm I just. I'm scared of that soldering iron. I don't, that's, you know what? I'll, don't that's, wanna, that's legit. Don't want to pull it out. That's that's yeah. fine. That's legit. But yeah, I'll take. I'll go get a router that's spinning at twenty five hundred RPM or twenty five thousand RPM. You know, that's no problem. But <laughs> yeah, see, I have a router that I've used like twice because it scares me. <laughs> yeah. Well, they are, and you know, that's that's one thing. You know, when, when I'm when I'm building building these, it's always safety first. Like you, you, you never want to go into, into a situation and not to discourage anybody who wants to build their own pedal board. Um, like I would encourage you to do that. Uh, have a go, you know, it's, it's something, like I said, we invest so much time into, into getting our pedals, how we want them and what have you, you know, have a, have a crack and making a board. Um, but do it safely, you know, go, go through and, you know, we are working with, with things that can take fingers, you know, or, or worse. So it's, uh, you know, it's something to kind of definitely bear in mind, but, but going back to the form and function of, of them is when I'm building these, I try and build them, not just to look, look nice. I want these so that I can drive my car over top of them and not have them fall, fall mm-hmm. apart, like, you know, certain kind of design elements, instead of using little L brackets to hold the, uh, to hold the deck, from falling through the board when you step on it, constructing kind of in a different way so that you can, so those little L brackets are really just holding the frame when you lift the board up from from the handles, if you put handles on it or, or what have you. Um, like I'm six, six, one, 200 pounds, so if I were to come crashing down on a, on a board or, or misstep, you don't want it popping through through onto the floor. So I, I really try and build these things without any kind of added additional weight or anything to them. Um, just a, a couple adjustments, building them so that you could literally jack your car with them uh, and and over overbuilt. But you know when you when you you put the time and effort into into building something like this, you want it to last, mm-hmm. yeah. to outlast you, right? So well, I think. Man, like your your boards are beautiful. Mm. I would be afraid to tour with one just because I wouldn't want to. <laughs> I it. I genuinely hope I get to tour with one of his boards. <laughs> this makes my touring board look uh, positively ugly. But uh, hey, Casper and I did build our own boards. The boards that we we're currently say. using the board that I do take on tour. <laughs> Um, I, I helped build that and board. That you're hey, calm down there, of. Captain Sensitive. Just hang on. <laughs> well, um, you know, and that's—I've uh, had some discussions with friends too, and like, not not to to tote my boards or anything like that because it is all each to their own. But but uh, you know, I've heard people say like, oh, like oh, like I don't want to tour with that, you know. But part of part of it 
is it, it can, these things can take them like they're, you're touring with your left ball, you're touring with your, like, you know, these other, other instruments, like you can snap a, snap a neck on a Les Paul before you'll ever break, break these things. Yeah. Um, but as far as the finishes, I, I like to use, I've been breeze, staying away from Les Paul headstock. <laughs> and, and I've, uh, tried to steer clear of like finishes that, you know, if you're playing at a show, there's going to be alcohol around, um, you know, somebody puts one on the stage or it gets kicked over or splashed. I've been using poly finishes on these so that, because it's not going to affect, like, I'm, like, if I use nitro on the board, your guitar is going to sound so much better. Like, it does, really doesn't make a difference. It's, <laughs> you know, it's really just the... <laughs> there are dudes out there that are, are 100, I guarantee you are 100% like, oh, you got you to finish the It's wood. You have to finish it in nitro. Like, you, no, you, you don't know anything, do you? Like, <laughs> it's, it's actually yeah, like really these, poor these, finish. Yeah, these these poly finishes are just wipe on wipe on finishes, and you go through. And there's probably about eight or nine coats to each one of the boards that I do to make sure that they don't just look nice, but they feel nice under the hand. That's um, kind of the the best way to tell is is when you're finally doing the final coats on the board. You can't really see, but you can feel the difference in in the finish on them. Um, but using poly finishes is great because they're they're water resistant, they're alcohol resistant. They can really kind of handle anything, and they get harder over time. So it's you know I, I would have no questions about throwing one of these mm-hmm. out in the boat. Now anything you anything you drop, you're going to get a ding in or what have you. But these are fairly easy to, to repair up That's as well. Worth so. it. I mean, like the boards Casper and I built, uh, as I was saying earlier, like they're they're very functional. They allow for tidy cable management. Mm-hmm. They allow for um underneath you know holding your power and that kind of thing and we do have um plugs on the sides and and you know can can do the in and out jacks and stuff but where they are lacking is they're very basic functional like they're converted shells from home depot <laughs> they're cool yeah, yeah. and you know we're 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 proud of what we got and we we posted a whole build series on our mm-hmm. social media because we we thought it was kind of nifty and but that being said, man, I want sex appeal, <laughs> and you're 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 delivering that. Your your boards are an artistic step up. They're gorgeous. Um, I I got, I first got turned on to you via I think Kevin Schoen, Kevin Schoen's Instagram. I was uh, wondering if we were gonna make it through this one. Well, I can't help that he introduced me to all this stuff, I man. I, you know. <laughs> oh, Kevin! Um, Kevin's great. Like the yeah. stuff that he builds too. Like he, he he moved more into the into the pedals, but he's a real artist. Like he the the skateboard pedal boards that he was building before too. I still need to get get in touch with him, and and uh, I'd like to do some kind of collaboration with him where we can incorporate some of that that really cool laminate uh, Ooh. Ooh, along I, with uh, him. Um, Mm-hmm. I know a couple of gentlemen who can't afford it, but we lust <laughs> desperately for the <laughs> results of that. Indeed. <laughs> no, Kev's a great guy, and, and he is constantly introducing me to, to cool new gear stuff. I don't know where he finds the time. We were on a, a podcast uh, dedicated to guitar culture, and I don't seem to spend as much time finding cool new people as Kev does. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's... And it's- you know, I guarantee my my pedal boards are 100 percent transparent tone. Like, as you know, it's that's all bad analog joke. signal path. <laughs> yeah, and all and all of that. But you know, one one thing the guy fell into into a bit of an issue, and I never really understood the benefit of using a wood board. Like, and there's some fantastic 
non non wood boards out there, like Temple Audio out of Saskatchewan. Their boards are unreal, um, very like extremely functional, really really clean. You know, great great boards and uh, and even the pedal trains and stuff. But a, a, a friend of mine on Instagram wanted to to put in these barrel jacks that I've been been using from Redco uh, and found a lot of grounding issues because he's using the the aluminum the aluminum board. He's he's putting these jacks in out of convenience. You want to have something that you know our boards do change over time too. Mm-hmm. Um, you want to have something that you can switch in and out and change configurations on and, and again when you're going to play somewhere have a sturdy connection in sturdy connection out stop things from moving keep things really tied down nice and solid he went and hooked up to one of these barrel jacks and and uh from from redco and noise instantly because basically turned the pedal board into there were some grounding issues and turned the pedal board into a, a huge antenna you know, and finally, we, we kind of figured we were chatting back and forth, figuring out what to do to do with it, and ultimately isolated it just by using a, a wood panel on it. I think is the road he's going to go with it, or either that or some kind of, well, a, of a of a plastic. But but uh, yeah, it's it's just one one thing one thing to think about it. And yeah, it's, and guitars guitar players too. We're all you know we're all guilty of, of hearing with our eyes rather than our ears. You know, it's you know. <laughs> You could, you could pick up the most, close your eyes, hand you a guitar. It's the most beautiful guitar you've ever heard. And you open your eyes and it's like a, a an ESP <laughs> pointy flying V kind of a thing, right? And your gig is in a jazz band and it's like, no, that's not going to work. I can't, I can't roll in I, with it. I had the good fortune, rather young in my 20s, to do a, a gig. I, I was like a... I helped set up the, the PA and stuff. I was just the music shop I worked at rented out gear and sound tacks and stuff. And we were just there setting up stuff. I, and at that point in my career, I was just there because I was in my early twenties and I had muscle to offer. Nobody, <laughs> nobody wanted my brain power or any of that stuff. Um, but it was a country act and the guitar player whipped out this BC rich. Um, it was a bitch model. And I was just like, what the because <laughs> if dear listeners if you are unfamiliar with the bc rich well most of their models but uh specifically the, the bitch model which was invented as a 10 string originally this thing has yep. got no less than five points on oh it. yeah it's, it's a very odd shape very predominantly associated with hard rock and metal guitar and uh it was in this awful like candy metallic red like a hot rod from like 1989 would be painted <laughs> like <laughs> a color and uh i was like i i gotta be honest man I, I thought you'd be playing a telly and he goes i tried out hundreds of guitars i was looking for a really really great tone i wanted to stick out a little bit and as a joke i picked this one up and it did it uh- it sounded better than every guitar I ever played. And so this is it, man. This is the one. Unless somebody who hires me specifically says, don't play that. Yeah. I play this. And I thought that was really, really interesting. And I'm sure, given that he was working in the country field, several times people have been like, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're playing a telly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's a telly. Yeah. What, what's your guys' main, main guitars now? Um... 
electrically, I'm playing a telly most of the time right now. My SG has a snapped headstock. Surprise. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, 90% of the time these days, I'm playing uh, a Kronbauer acoustic, um, either on the road or at home, um, through the pedals and amp, whatever. Um, yeah, that's that's my touring rig. So that's that tends to be also the thing I play at home which is weird. I never thought I'd be that guy, but, uh, but I'll run it through all my pedals and stuff. I don't give a hoot. Right? <laughs> You've developed that fingerprint. Uh, yeah. Doing just that. Yeah. It's a big part of what I do. So, yeah. And, yeah. uh, I'm this, I'm the same. I have a, also got a Kronbauer, uh, mini jumbo, uh, acoustic that was, uh, that I had custom built in 2015. And that's my pretty much only real serious acts that I play. Uh, I do have a, a Gretsch full hollow and a, a Japanese built 60s uh, pan. Uh, it's kind of like a hollow body SG looking thing with sharp Florentine cutaways. And um, that's a real fun guitar to play. It's a little bit yeah. quirky, but it's, it's really just it, another Aria. It's really a Sonata Aria. Yeah, it is. It's a it, pan was a, a Canadian um, for Canadian markets Aria uh, built in the same factory and with the same tooling and everything. So. But it's a it's a quirky, fun little guitar. Um, but yeah, that's those are mine. I, I play acoustic almost full time, um, like kind of finger style. So that's my that's my go to. Yeah, I think I got to resurrect the SG man. Yeah, no, we've been we've been talking about it for a long I time. I know, I know. I'm nervous. <laughs> to do, I've never done my own headstock repair. It. I think it's a clean enough break. It, yeah, you're gonna be okay. I, yeah, and I mean, Trevor Gronbauer gave me pretty strong uh, guidance on how to go about doing it and, and so i'm sure it'll be fine but <laughs> i'm still yeah. I don't know. i'd rather build a guitar from the ground up than this to be honest yeah more comfortable with that but how, how about you sean what's your what's the main axe we haven't asked you that i don't know why it's a strat uh, strat yeah i got my my 72 strat it's it's actually it's taken apart right now it's sent the body down down to the states to get a, a fellow down there to refinish it it's it's kind of uh, Try not to make it a long story, but back when I started taking guitar lessons when I was 16 years old, 15, 16 years old, my guitar teacher uh, at the time had this 72 Strat that was uh, maple neck and wrapped in tape, kind of like a kind of like a his take on on the EVH okay. Frankenstein Frank, Frankenstrat kind of thing, and uh, that was the guitar he used when he taught me lessons, and and I ended up few years later playing with him in different shows all over the place and, he, and he'd be using a different guitar he's made mainly a telly player but this was his uh his guitar that he used at adolescence and i bugged him every time i saw him like to the point where i think he sold it to me just to kind of get get me out of his <laughs> out of his grill and he's I'll sell it. <laughs> yeah i'll sell it to you but on the condition that if i ever want it back you know like, you got to sell it back to me and they're oh, okay okay so I said, yeah, like that's going to happen. He's not going to want this thing. So then, so I played it, you know, for years, and and then he got got a call one time. He goes, oh, I'm playing the show, and and I'd really like to to buy that strat back off you. Yeah, I need this strat. And I'm like, I'm like, oh, okay. So I sold it back to him on the condition that if you ever sold it, so we're doing this back and forth. You know, if you if you ever sell this guitar, you got to sell it back to me, kind of a thing. So. So, you know, again, I get back to the bug in him every time I see him for the next three, four years to, to uh, sell me this guitar back. And he finally eventually did sell it back to me. The first thing I did was take it off to, to, 
Daryl Pierre in Saskatoon and got him to refinish it in, in black. So, so now it's like, you know, my old teacher doesn't want to buy this guitar back. They dumped all this money into this new finish on it, right? So, <laughs> so and it had and been, uh, I've never, never really been, you know, back then the guitar wasn't that old and you're thinking, oh, like, you know, now if you had a 72 Strat that had its original finish on it, you know, people would look at you cross-eyed if you're yeah. thinking about refinishing this thing, right? But yeah. it, it had been worn down already before, and so I refinished it and then played it hard for, for quite a while, and it started flaking off and stuff. And so I, I said, okay, I gotta. I, I think I'm going to get this refinished just in case he phones back and says, you know, I want to buy that guitar. No, he'd... Um, and so I found somebody down in the States that there's a specific finish that I wanted on it. I wanted this pink champagne sparkle, like on the old, old Gretches. So he does it all period oh, correct and stuff. Mm. So, so it's gone from its original black to, to, uh, once, once things kind of calm down as far as the, the situation down in the States, they can fire it back up here and it'll be pink champagne sparkle. <laughs> and then it'll sit for another two months because I'm too scared to put the volume yeah. volume pots and stuff in there. Oh, I've I've got a when I bought my SG, I went into the music store to buy. I was torn between two guitars. A it was it was 2003 or 2002 when the, no it would have been 2003. Um, and they had a Les Paul double cut standard in in yellow that I loved. It's very early 2000s style guitar. And then there was also this 1971 Strat, well, just natural finish. Um, the, the owner had put a, uh, one of those uh, Seymour Duncan mini humbuckers in the bridge position. And the original pickup was still in the case and stuff. But, uh, and I went in and I was torn between these two guitars. And then I went in and, that, and my SG that I ended up buying was hanging on the wall and I, I bought that. And the reason I picked the SG was because I liked it better than the Les Paul that double cut that was in there. And, and when I was sitting there playing the three guitars and deciding, my my brain went, Al, you don't want your first real American guitar to be a used one, do you? <laughs> Vanity got that, you. That would be stupid. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was like, I'm not buying this 70s Strat. Bah! <laughs> And uh, not, not not a year later, I was like, "Oh God, what have I done?" <laughs> and now, now of course, and the thing was like eleven hundred bucks. That's what it was hanging on the wall for. That's a seventy-one Strat for eleven hundred bucks. And now you you'd be lucky to get one for four grand. Yeah. Well, and, and you know, in in I've looked for other Strats, and I've I've had like you know the Strat Deluxes in the in the nineties and early two thousands, whenever. And I've never, never found a neck that is, is comfortable. Like, I know that you get the, the cork sniffers. Again, I, I, I like to stay away from forums. You see, you know, those, that Drake meme <laughs> where he's like, you know, thumbs up on the top yeah. and on the bottom. <laughs> and it should be like, you know, my tone, what, what I think my tone sounds like. And it's Drake making the happy face. And it's like my tone after I spend five minutes on a forum, you know, he's making that, that kind of like, no, I don't want that. You know, you start questioning kind of, you know, how, how it's, how it all, everything is, but I've never found like this, this old guitar of mine. I don't know if it's because the shoulders are nice and worn in on it or, or, or what, but or the edges are old enough from just the years of, of hard playing on it, but it feels great and everything else on the, any, any straps, any tellies that I've played before just kind of seem to, 
feel stiff. I don't know, mm. know what it is. So what else do you have for guitars? What's the backup? Um, I have a, a Duesenberg that I play quite a bit. It's a, a oh, just a just a Duesenberg. Oh. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's great, great guitar. You know, I've I've never I've never really been a, a like never had much experience with hollow body or semi hollow hollow guitars. Um, but I a friend of mine, Todd Peters, that plays with a Saskatchewan artist, Cody uh, Cody Prevost. Um, I saw him play. We were opening up for him with one one show, and was like just blown away by his tone and and like the neck pickup sound. For me, it's a, it's the neck pickup is the is the selling selling feature. I know you can fall down the rabbit hole of of swapping pickups out and what have you, but really, I I think if the guitar has it, it has it. Yeah, um, I, I used and, to be really into modding guitars and stuff, and now I'm just I really want them to be great as they are if I can. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I, and I think fundamentally you're not going to change the, the character of a guitar from like the, you get hotter pickups or, you know, less hot pickups. Maybe they get scooped a little bit different or, or what have you. But, but if a guitar doesn't have it, it's, you know, I, I think it's, it's tough to, to force it tough yeah. to, to get it there. Yeah. And then you're always questioning, do I need something else? Do I need something else? You know, and, and, uh, and, playing with things there but this uh I, so i'm seeing him play the show and just oh, wow like this guitar sounds phenomenal like you know it's it, so picked it up and it just had the neck that felt great it had so as soon as i i uh we kind of live where i live it's in the middle of, of saskatchewan there's not a lot of opportunity to go try out like all of these different guitars or what have you so i uh just ordered one blind uh, it's a, a Duesenberg Fullerton TV, kind of a double cutaway, kind of Gretsch, Gretsch oh, style dude. guitar, mm-hmm. and and felt and it was so consistent from from the one that uh, that Todd was playing. Uh, Love to think like the the bridge sounds full, it's hot but not overly hot. You can clean up really nice with the volume. Uh, the neck has has all of that kind of strat tubiness i guess to it kind of like a hollow woodiness that just it, it's great and the in-between sound is like is a specific doozy kind of a thing with the in-between sounds but yeah i can use that guitar for 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 anything so i think i've, I've fallen a little bit more i use that one a little bit more than my strat probably i'm more attached i think to to my old strat but right, right. the yeah. the trends on the Duesenbergs are so oh, like i can't knock it out of tune yeah yeah. I've I've been lusting hard for a Mike Campbell signature for a good chunk of years, and um, three years ago I think uh, Big Rec came through uh, our area on the on a twentieth anniversary tour of their debut album, yeah. and uh, I wound up briefly chatting with their guitarist uh, who's now passed away, um, Brian Doherty. Um, we we had a bond over our mutual love for Duesenbergs. Just, yeah, they're they're fan, fantastic guitars. Like yeah. and, and like I said, consistent. Like it's 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 that one thing. And now nowadays, with unfortunately, music stores are aren't caring as much as they used to. Um, you get some of the big box stores and stuff. It, really, a lot of people are ordering things online nowadays, not having that opportunity to to put it in their hands or, or like with, with Les Pauls for, for me, I've always found you can line 10 of them up and they're going to sound 11 different ways. You know, it's, it's 
Yeah, they've never been you know, consistent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can you find some great great ones. You find some that are are just you know not not there that that, that don't have that that particular West Paul mid that that you're looking for with them. But you know the thing with the the guitars like the Duesenbergs, the Paul Reed Smiths, and you know I'd say probably Sirs as well are so so consistent. Um, I'd be hard pressed, I think, to to try anything else that I couldn't get into my hands, you know. On there. Mm-hmm. Well, I think I mean when you're dealing with a company that's like Duesenberg or Sir or these these brands that are. I mean, those are big brands and they are mass producing, but not, they're not hitting Martin numbers or Fender numbers or anything like that. Like they're, they're definitely more focused on boutique and on being consistent and the the QC control or cold, man, I'm repetitive. The quality control levels are uh, primarily what's most important to them. They Mm -hmm. want guitars that are just better. Yeah, and consistent, and the finish on like the the finish on the Duesenberg is fantastic. You know, it's it's uh, like I was qu- quite uh, quite surprised after you know, seeing some of the particular brands that that you know just you know, oh, there's a little nick here, there's a little, and I have that uh, that you know, I like to think I have that attention for detail when I'm working working on on building the boards that I'm building. Um, you notice kind of the tiny tiny little things, and and when you pick up, you know. It, I've never had a Duesenberg in my hands where it hasn't been absolutely flawless, stays in tune, fantastic. The intonation is great. And same with the Paul Reed Smiths too that, that I've been using have been fantastic. Yeah, they're, they're pretty cool. I Paul Reed Smith for me is one of those brands that like, I I can never exactly fault what they're doing. Like even the Silver Sky, I can't fault it. It's, <laughs> it does not appeal to my taste at all. You rolled your eyes. So. <laughs> I just don't do guitar, man, but that's me. You know, yeah, the, no, and it's the, totally your taste, but you're just like, I can't um, fault it. But I can, like, I've <laughs> never picked up a PRS. I think, I, no, I shouldn't say never. I think I've picked up one or two out of anyone I've picked up in the last 25 years um, where I felt like I was like, wow, I'd really love to have this. <laughs> I, I don't know. Some guitars just grab me and some guitars don't. For me, they're more on the don't than do, but they sure look great. I sure want to love them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, <clears throat> yeah, it's it's a it's a weird thing. So, if somebody wants to uh, get a board from you, should they contact you through Instagram? Is that the best way? That's probably the best way. I don't have any kind of websites or anything at all like that. I've, 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 and not to to try and make myself exclusive or you know sound that kind of a thing. But I, I I'm not a, a math producer by by any stretch. But if somebody's interested in and you know some. To go over to String Theory Pedal Boards on Instagram and and have a look through there and and see if if what I'm doing is something that is uh, going to inspire you and if it is, send me off a message and we'll see what uh, what we can come up with. Right on. And and when you're doing when you're chatting with uh, someone, is is every board a case by case basis? Do you have kind of uh, set fields? You start each board like a different size of board often or. I've been well before. I was kind of just building like the dimensions, like you know, 12, 12 by twenty-four, or what have you. What I'd like to do now is is build to the the mono cases, size cases. Um, I've been doing doing quite a few of the smaller tick size boards, just because you know with the pedals that you get now, like some of the uh, 
Keeley workstations or some of the, like the Strymon Flint, you can get some, you can put together a really good sounding board just with a few, you know, a few small pedals uh, and have something that you can fit into, into a case. You know, it's really cool to like, you know, walk into the gig with your big flight case and, you know, that you have, you've never taken out of the province and click it off, open up this board and, you know, you got this flight case, but really it's, it's, it's not the reality for a lot of a lot of musicians that are out there playing. We're not all these, you know, international artists that are flying their boards everywhere that they're checking in with Air Canada and what have you. Um, I I love the mono cases. I use them for all my guitars. I use them for my pedal boards. Um, so I've been trying to build to to the mono case size specs. Um, I think those are like you know this the 13 by seven, which is a fairly, fairly small board. But on my, my, my site, I have an office board that I use. What I, what I try and do is, is for my lunch hour, just shut the door, turn the phones off uh, and play to, to backtracks, just work on my improv- improvisation. I've been doing that for, for probably a good year or so. And so my little office board is like, you know, in a mono tick size, size bag. And it sounds sounds great like you, i would have no problem picking the board up and taking it to a you know running it in through my main rig um but you can you can get like the mono cases boards i think 18 by 14 i think is one of the sizes and they get up into like the 32 by by 26 or something like that like some unreal do you like only board lunatic uh not really no like it's it's I just love kind of getting my hands in on the wood and getting getting the joints right and 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 having that that feeling right when you you get everything all sanded nice and you put that first coat of varnish on and you get that pop where the finish all of a sudden gets like mm. you know it's it's. Uh, I worked as a painter for a lot of years and that was always one of my favorite things in the world to do is just that first coat of finish on really nice wood that you just worked so hard to prep and get ready for that and. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I've I've been kind of steering clear of, of stains and and you know the dyes and those kinds of things. Like the work that guys are doing with those are, are fantastic. But you know, but a friend of mine wanted a, a small uh, mono tick size board, but he wanted it green. He wanted it. Uh, <laughs> I recall seeing that one on your Instagram. <laughs> yeah, bird's bird's eye maple and green, and I'm like bird's eye maple doesn't come natural in green so he goes well just work something out so i tried using some leather dye on it and uh turned out quite well like nice and nice and deep and and uh so i'd be interested in in trying some more some more work with the dyes but but some of the woods that you get like you know like the the last couple that i've posted the paduke and the purple heart and the flame maple they don't need anything you know there's nothing more beautiful than that that you know to me anyway i mean if you want to create a couple of guinea pig boards and different stain colors and just, you know, send them off just to you know, get them out of your sight. I know <laughs> a, good fuchsia, a few nice fuchsia dye. <laughs> they, uh... You're so bad. Al. I know. <laughs> Shameless. Shameless. <laughs> uh, no, Sean, I, I, I love what you're doing, man. I can't mm-hmm. express that enough. Oh, thank you for listening. Um, you really need to go check out Sean's, Sean's Instagram string three pedal boards. Um, it is a feast for the eyes and, uh, 
I recommend uh, immediately prepping yourself for the gear lust that will overtake you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and even if you're just an interested builder sitting out there thinking, hey, I want to I want to have a crack at putting my own board together. I always say there's no no stupid questions, just stupid answers. So, you know, don't don't hesitate to fire off a message and, and be like, you know, what do you use for your feet? How do you put the deck on? What do you, do I have to use dovetails? Like at the last series, I've, I've been trying to, not to take anything away from guys that are building these boards that are dovetailed up and, and that kind of thing. Uh, but it's interesting to kind of do stuff that's different than than what's out there mm-hmm. uh, as well, you know, and and just have fun with it and try and be, be creative and make each board uniquely and hopefully inspiring. But yeah, ask, fire off, just message yeah. me at String Theory Pedal Boards and I'll help out any way I can. That's awesome. Oh, man. Well, Sean... As usual, I've gone a little over our time, <laughs> and, I, and I don't want to shut it down. But I gotta be responsible, and uh, unfortunately, that means I gotta say thank you for coming on the show. And hey, thank you guys so much with us. And uh, it's been a real pleasure having you on the Culture Guitarist. Oh, it's been my pleasure. Yeah. Well, and uh, listeners out there, check out Sean's work, mm. String Theory Pedal Boards on Instagram, and uh, thanks so much for tuning in as ever to the culture guitarist.